everybody, and welcome to the final installment of Out on the Tangents Monstober. Ooh! There will be spooky music at the end of post this time, because we're getting fancy. Ooh, okay, I will stop <laughs> adding my own then. <laughs> so, this episode we're talking about werewolves and vampires. And it's going to be the same structure that we did last episode. We're going to talk about... Uh, I don't want to say myths, but I guess myths is the right thing. Yeah. From history, where these creatures may or may not have existed. Uh, and pop culture and all that fun recommendations and stuff like that. So we're going to start with werewolves. Is that cool with you? Works for me. Okay. So, some scholars believe werewolves made their debut in the epic of Gilgamesh, I think? Yeah. That's how you pronounce it? The oldest known Western prose. Gilgamesh... I uh, jilted a potential lover and turned her into a werewolf. You know what? I I read this and I don't remember that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> my honors class glossed over the werewolves, um, but there is a lot of like homoerotic subtext. Okay. Like, there's a lot to unpack in Gilgamesh um, because it's like ancient culture. But I. I don't remember the werewolves, I have to be honest. I thought that Beowulf was the um, oldest Western prose. Western, yes. That Gilgamesh all- is Babylonian, Assyrian. It's, it predates Western culture. Oh, okay. So Wikipedia lied to me. Which Shock. If you're listening to this and you're still in school, Wikipedia, not so much always the most reliable source. However, yeah, like- the fandom wikis... Go nuts. <laughs> yeah, I would say Wikipedia has functions as like a way to find a bunch of sources fast. Yeah. But then like don't take the actual article. Take like the sources at the bottom of the article. And then, you know what? I think I actually got that fact from history.com, the history channels. Website. No, I'm and I'm I'm not saying that werewolves aren't in Gilgamesh. I just don't remember it. Um, well, no, but, they were saying that Gilgamesh was the oldest Western prose on history.com. Okay. Well, it, it is the oldest known written. It is the, the oldest known like thing that we have written down. Uh, it's not Western. Okay. I, I would not classify it as Western. I trust you more than history.com, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So there is also werewolves in Greek mythology uh, with the legend of... I'm going to pronounce this wrong again. Lycaon or Lycon? L-Y-C-A-O-N. For ease of me, I'm just going to say Lycon. Uh, Lycon was the son of Pelgasus, and he angered Zeus when he served him a meal made of the remains of a sacrificed boy. As punishment, Zeus turned him and his sons into wolves. Huh. So that uh, translates into another thing. That I am going to mention in a second. Uh, Nordic folklore. There's a lot of werewolves in history. And not so many vampires, which I was surprised about. Okay. Um, in Nordic folklore, the saga of Volsuns is the story of a father and son who discovered wolf pelts that had the power to turn people into wolves for ten days. Hmm. They put on the pelts and went on a killing rampage. The father attacked the son, giving him a lethal injury. The son save, was saved by a raven who gave the father a leaf with healing powers. 
Interesting. So that's where the like werewolves are killing crazy came from, I guess. Huh. And then 1521 France, Pierre Burgot and Michel Verdun, I can't pronounce any of these names, allegedly swore allegiance to the devil and claimed to have an ointment that turned them into wolves. They confessed to brutally murdering several children and were both burned at the stake. Fun. Hmm. <laughs> And in Norse, werewolf means man-wolf. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know where the were came from. Yep. But again, we learn. <laughs> and there's another one, too. There's so many werewolves in history. The Bedberg werewolf. Uh, Peter Stubb, a wealthy 15th century farmer in Bedberg, Germany, according to folklore... Folklore. Well, we folklore. are going to be visiting Twilight. In a <laughs> I know minute. it's just Twilight on the brain. Uh, he turned into a wolf-like creature at night and devoured many citizens of Bedburg. Huh. That was the end of that? There was no conclusion. Okay. Um. So, what do you think the first appearance of a werewolf is in pop culture? Like what? And we're again we're defining pop culture um, as 1900 to current day. Well, there was, like, the Wolfman movie. When would the first one of those have been? The 30s, the 50s, the 70s? You were close with the first one. Okay, so something in the realm of the 30s. Okay, silent movies, black and white, talkies, 1920s, 30s. Hmm. So close, 1941. Okay, I went the the wrong direction. 1941, Wolfman was said to be the first film that put werewolves on the map. Interesting. And then I jumped forward ahead because um, I think I just picked, like, what popped out to me as the most, like, culturally resound ones. 1985, we got Teen Wolf. It's a comedy cult classic movie starring Michael J. Fox, who, for those of you who don't know... Is, I mean, I guess he was really only relevant in the eighties. <laughs> he was in Back to the he's, Future. I, yeah, I was gonna say he's the Back to the Future kid, right? Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know if teens know that movie anymore. Probably <laughs> Back to the Future. He's also um, in another eighties sitcom called Family Ties, which again I don't yeah. think anyone knows that. Um, <laughs> So Michael J. Fox plays a high school boy that discovers he was born into a family of werewolves when he starts to turn into one. Okay. And he becomes, like, super popular and all the girls want him at school. And, you know, like, classic 80s high school movie. Well, that's just, like, classic werewolf trope, right? Yeah, yeah. Because then we're going to get into Twilight. (laughs) Well, before we visit Twilight... I just want to do, like, a quick Harry Potter reference. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't know there was werewolves in Harry Potter. Remus Lupin. I don't know anything about Harry Potter. Okay, so (laughs) Remus Lupin is their third-year Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, and then he he was, like, friends with Harry's dad, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I will skip the backstory because most of you probably know it. Um, His name, he is a werewolf. He was bitten as a child by Fenrir Greyback, who later bites one of the Weasleys. Okay, great. There's more prevalence of werewolf than vampire culture in Harry Potter, but both creatures exist in that world. I did not know that either. Um, so, Lumi- Ramus Lupin is named after Ramus or Remus, the Roman mythological founder. Mm-hmm. 
who was raised by a wolf. And then Lupin is like a, a scientific, right? Like Lupin, Lupine, yeah. wolf-like, dog-like. Uh, so literally J.K. Rowling named her werewolf character like Wolf McWolf. <laughs> and then it was supposed to be like a reveal that he was a werewolf. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> and you know what I just thought of before? We Remus met- is one of my favorite characters. So I just wanted to include him. <laughs> I had no, I honestly had no idea there was werewolves in Harry Potter or vampires. Yeah, like I said, the vampires don't get much page time. They're just, like, mentioned here and there. Yeah. Are they in the movies? Probably not. No, because they, they are, like, mentioned as existing. Okay. But there's no... That I can think of, there's no real characters that are vampires, but there is, like, two characters who are werewolves and one who gets bitten and has wolf-like tendencies, but doesn't actually transform. Interesting. Okay. He eats a lot of rare steak. (laughs) Well, before we get into Twilight, because I like to do things in chronological order, why don't we talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Sure. Because that was popular in the 90s? Mid to late 90s? Yeah, I would have to look up when Buffy started airing, but it's like the mid to late 90s and then like the early, early aughts. It predates Twilight. We'll yes, say that. it sure does. So I, again, I've never seen Buffy. For shame. <laughs> All I know is that one of the characters, the actress that plays that character, was on How I Met Your Mother. Yes. <laughs> so Willow, who is the... One played by Alison Hannigan. Okay, I was like, I was gonna say Janigan, but that wasn't right. Yeah, so Alison Hannigan plays Willow in Buffy, mm-hmm. and Willow is a human. She is a witch, and she is a vampire at different points in the series. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, Buffy, I just looked it up. The first episode aired March tenth, nineteen ninety seven. Oh, and okay. it had on it had seven seasons, so it did go into mid to late nineties, and then the early two thousands. I can tell because all of her hair is crimped for a whole season. (laughs) Really dates it. (laughs) Season four, her hair is crimped the whole season. It's not a great look. Didn't she have like the Rachel cut too for a little while? Yeah. I mean, they they did really weird styling and they tried to make her very trendy, which like Sarah Michelle Gellar is beautiful and can pull off anything, but like it really does date the show. At times. Um, So vampires are obviously like in the title of the show. Yeah. But there are also werewolves in the series. Do you want me to talk about both or do you want me to just stick to werewolves? No, we can talk about both. So in Buffy, werewolves transform like the night of the full moon and then one day on either side. Okay. So it's a three-day cycle. Yep. The rest of their time, they are totally just normal human beings, like nothing special, no super speed, no super strength. Okay. And they have no, they have very little control over their transformations. Um, Is it the classic, like the full moon comes out and then they howl and then they like rip off their pretty clothes and much. like hulk out? Yeah, pretty much. Um, The werewolves look really dumb. 
Well, it's CGI. Um, in it's the... you know what? It's it's not even. They like it's not CGI. They, it's like makeup. They glued like a bunch of fake beards on Seth Green's body, and that oh, was it. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know what they did really, but that's what it looks like. <laughs> it's it looks really low budget. That's a vibe, um, you know. And also, like Seth Green is not exactly hulking. He's mm, like yeah, quite short. So he's like this skin, like short, scrawny <laughs> werewolf, just like. <laughs> running around being supposedly really savage and terrifying, but like it's Seth Green, uh, but it's a really good time. And so they have a cage yeah. for rare books to be locked up in the high school library, as you do. Mm-hmm. And so Oz gets locked up on those nights in the school library okay. to keep people safe. Is it like, a silver cage? It's not. And they don't use, because they're never trying to kill Oz because he's like their friend. So I think Silver is effective, but they always just like, if they need to like put him to sleep to get him in the cage, they just use tranquilizer darts. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, Because werewolves, again, like don't really have a lot of superpowers. Like they transform and they lose their memories kind of, and they like run around and kill people or animals or whatever. Like they, they're definitely beasts, but they're not super. They're like, well, in twilight, they kind of have superpowers. They absolutely (laughs) have superpowers in twilight. Okay. Um, so yeah. So it's like a, a very sort of, lame and approachable werewolf. Yeah, well, there's um, no, like... There's like, no you, canon, really, about werewolves, except the fact that, like, the full moon, and then they transform under the full moon. Yeah, but even that's not super consistent. Exactly. So, so it's so. really interesting. I'm obsessed. And I think it was wise for them not to try and make werewolves, like, a big villain when it's, you know, Seth Green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll have to show you a picture of the werewolves later. Cause, I'm just imagining <laughs> Seth Green with a fake beard like yeah. on him. Let me let me pull it up and show I you. I wish while this I was talk. a video podcast so we could like pop yeah, up pictures. Yeah, it is pretty fantastic. Um, vampires. No, let's do, let's do werewolves and all of them, and then vampires. Okay, so we can compare and contrast. So, what about Supernatural? So in Supernatural, oh, the other thing about werewolves in Buffy. Um, is that here it is? Oh, okay. like a dollar store mask. That's not what I was picturing, but it's definitely not great. <laughs> um, he looks. It just looks like a fluffy dog. I want to pet. Yeah, it's not. It's not terrifying. Um, the other thing about werewolves and Buffy is that they can learn to control, and here he is mid transformation. Okay, so that's basically what Michael J. Fox looks like in uh, Teen Wolf. So, um, they <laughs> can essentially use mindfulness to control their wolves. Okay, that's a good lesson to teach teenagers. Yeah, so Oz <laughs> at one point ends up, he and Willow are an item, and he meets a female werewolf, and he cheats on Willow because his wolfy instincts are too strong, and he breaks up with her, and he goes on a soul-searching journey that takes him all across the globe. Somehow he has money for this as a (laughs) fifth-year senior in high school. Um, But he, he ends up, like, traversing the globe and 
being trained in mindfulness and being taken under by all these like spiritual gurus who, yeah, teach him to like control his wolf through just being really zen. Okay. And not a bad, you know, analogy for anxiety. Sure. Hard to reconcile in the universe though. Because, like, all of a sudden he can, like, transform or not transform yeah. at will. And it's, like, how? how? Yeah. It's a little bit like the Hulk. It's sort of hand-wavy science. Yeah. But it's important to note that there are ways for them to, like, learn to control their wolves. So let's get into werewolves in Twilight. Okay. Yeah. So I went to the... Because, tw- again, if you'll remember from our Twilight episode... I know next to nothing about Twilight and any of its canon or fandom. (laughs) So I went on the Twilight wiki and our good old pal Google (laughs) to find information about the werewolves in Twilight. Because all I knew was Jacob is a werewolf. Yes, one of many. And I remembered from our Twilight episode us talking about the fact that it stems from some sort of indigenous culture. Yes. And it was sort of cultural appropriation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so I looked up, we'll get we'll circle back around to that to, in a second. But I I discovered from Google that the werewolves were called children of the moon. But then I looked more And I couldn't really find a clear answer, so I called our Twilight expert on staff, Angela, and she gave me the scoop. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little complicated. Okay, so Children of the Moon don't show up to the last book. Yeah, they're not really relevant. And (laughs) the werewolves are actually called shapeshifters. Yes. And they can turn into other things besides werewolves. In theory, yes. But they don't. Correct. Okay. So, So, the... Indigenous, the sort of tribal heritage connection is like, okay, the people in our, in these bloodlines of our tribe have the ability to shapeshift and our heritage is to like shapeshift into wolves. Yeah. So the way, if I recall correctly, the way Stephanie Meyer explains it is like, they could shapeshift into whatever they want. They just like, don't know how to. Their DNA only knows how to shift into wolves. Whereas like werewolves are children of the moon are like a totally different nonsense. Yeah. So Angela told me that it had something to do with, I think Jacob's great grandfather. Ephraim. Yes. Sold his soul to a wolf at some point. And so like, that's why they turn into wolves. Nah, I don't remember. Yeah, which is- yeah, it's ringing a bell, and I will disclaim for those of you who are proper Twilight fans that I'm in the Twilight fandom, but it's I don't enjoy the books, and I don't enjoy the movies. I really enjoy like the fan culture and the fan fiction around it. Yeah. So my knowledge of the canon is not super strong. So also, Angela told me that they can only transform when they're angry or it's easier for them to transform when they're angry? Yeah, it's easier. Okay, so sort of, again, like the Hulk. Yeah, so, well, yes and no. So it's different 
because it's not at all triggered by moon phases. Yeah. It's it initially it starts out triggered by anger. Mm-hmm. Um and then they learn to control it and they transform completely at will. Okay. So within a few months of beginning to phase, they have complete control over their phase or mostly complete control over their phasing. Okay. And they sort of learn to balance their human self and their wolf self and like find a compatibility there. Okay. Um, They have in comparison to the Buffy werewolves, lots of superpowers. They are super strong. They have super speed. Mm -hmm. They are the, the like, natural born like protectors against vampires. So Mm -hmm. they, they have to be able to defend against vampires. So they're like very, very strong, very, very fast. They have crazy metabolisms and their body temperature runs like well over a hundred degrees. Okay. So like a dog. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) it's like they, their transformations require so much energy that their metabolism is very, very fast and then because their metabolism burns so fast, their entire body is like superheated. Okay. So it's like having a walking electric blanket. It's truly my dream. So Twilight in the time of the pandemic would be interesting because if Jacob was a human and he tried to go into a place where they have to check your temperature before you go in, he'd never be able to yeah, get they in. Yeah, w- they would never be able to enter, but werewolves are not able to get sick. Their body burns too hot. Like no illness can survive canonically. Like, no illness yeah. can survive in their system. So, like, they would be the ones that couldn't get sick, but also the ones that couldn't get in anywhere because their bodies are too hot. That's hilarious. Um, okay. But also, like, it's, like, 108 degrees or something. So, like, everyone would be like, you should be dead. They'd be like, why are you, like, okay right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. What about Supernatural? Because that's another area that you're well-versed in. Yeah, so we see these lone wolves in Buffy, and then in Twilight we have this big pack. Yeah. With, like, over half a dozen members. Yes. I was going to list them all, and then I thought, that's not necessary. in Twilight, they're they're like the animal, a wolf. Like, they're like... But not actually. Well, they're in a pack, and they have that, like, pack mentality, right? Sure, but... Actual wolves don't have that pack mentality. Okay, so they're more like dogs. (laughs) Dogs don't have that pack mentality. So the scientist, quick tangent, (laughs) living up to our name. Um, The scientist, whose name I can't remember, but I'm so, so sorry, um, find my source for me. The scientist who published the the research that was like, oh, like wolves have alphas and omegas and mated pairs and like, and that's pack dynamics and who published that and popularized it and everyone has glommed onto it. That scientist through doing more research and studying wolves longer and longer realized that all of that is completely false oh. and has begged his publisher to stop publishing his book because it's not true. And the publisher will not take it off the shelves because it's so popular. Well, also the whole franchise so, of Alpha and Omega would go out the train. Well, yeah. I mean, ABO dynamics have nothing to do with wolf dynamics. I mean, that has a whole life of its own, um, which we will not get into <laughs> on a teen podcast. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's really interesting. Wait, do you know what Alpha and Omega is? It's a kid's cartoon. 
well, ABO dynamics in fandom have oh. a very, very Because <laughs> I was going to say, we have them down here in the children's room. <laughs> yes. So, like, lots and lots of, sure. We could talk about those. We can't talk about the fandom. ABO. I was like, I didn't know what you were talking about. I was like, what? It's like rated Y7. <laughs> Sorry, I'm in, my head is in, like, the fan fiction dumpster fire. Oh, yeah, so, okay. Uh, yeah, so we see, like, this very, in Twilight, there's, like, a very defined pack, which we know is not actually how wolves operate because they just travel in family units. <laughs> um, and so, like, the alpha is just, like, yeah, it's, it's the dad like mm-hmm. he's the adult so yeah he's in charge because everyone else is his kids or his like his mate yeah so do <laughs> so. wolves mate permanently then yeah. oh i didn't know that so so we have like lone wolf to pack dynamics and then in supernatural it's kind of in the middle like we okay. see like solo or small groups of wolves and then we also see a lot of family units of wolves. Okay. So it's maybe even like more true to nature in some ways. Okay. The first werewolf that I can recall that we meet is Meredith, who doesn't know she's a werewolf. And she transforms on the night of the full moon. And I think I think it's a two-night or three-night cycle, but she transforms and she is yeah massacring people so it's again this very like beast but normal human during the day so truer to Buffy in that respect but then later on in the series we see a hunter who gets turned into a werewolf he Mm -hmm. gets bitten on a hunt and he has his like werewolf wife and they're werewolf kids and they live with her family and like they have this like big settlement of like wolf family okay and it's very very normalized and also like considering there are several episodes with werewolves in them we get relatively little werewolf lore okay um which is interesting because there's there's things that show up for like one episode Mm -hmm. and we get so much lore on them and so compared to like the amount of times they're mentioned we get relatively little information on werewolves the standard stuff you know Silver, full moon, long nails, fangs, whatever. Yeah. Like, you know what that just made me think of when you said true to nature and we were talking about the family thing? Yeah. The closest to nature werewolf I know is from none other than Hotel Transylvania. Okay. Have you seen Hotel Transylvania? I haven't. Tell me about okay, it. Okay. So basically it's... A hotel, like, slash resort run by Dracula, where all of the, like, Halloween creatures can come to. So there's, like, a mummy. There's the the, the employees of the hotel are zombies. And the werewolf and his wife come, and they have, like, 40 children. Okay. Because the wife keeps having, like, litters of puppies. So like it's it's just like a joke, I guess, on okay dogs, I guess. But like, when you were saying like werewolves have like travel and family units, that's the first thing. I thought but of. like a five, not a <laughs> yeah, 40. I know that's well, it's satire. <laughs> it's an Adam Sandler movie. Okay, I guess that explains it. 
Um, but anyway, that was enough of a tangent because I'm sure no one really wants to talk about Hotel Transylvania. If you want to watch it, we have what? like All four of them. I was going to say three. Yeah. Four. There's in the four children's room. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have a recommendation for werewolves? I do. I have two. Okay, awesome. So they are both newer additions to our teen collection. The first one is Lycanthropy and Other Chronic Illnesses by Kristen O'Neill. I almost picked that one. And in it, Priya or Priya has chronic Lyme disease and she belongs to an oof, ouch, my bones chronic illness discord. (laughs) (laughs) And one of her friends through this discord goes like offline and no one can get a hold of her. Mm-hmm. So Priya decides to track Bridget down uh, and like, oh, holy crap, Bridget is a freaking werewolf. Whoa. Just like okay. locked up in her basement. And so that's what normal is now. <laughs> and it sounds just like really fun, funny, like yeah. tongue in cheek. Yeah. Um, is and- it in the horror section though? Yes, because our horror section is not necessarily scary horror. It's just like anything to do with monsters. Yeah, because Twilight's in the horror section, and I wouldn't say Twilight's scary. Yeah, and like Hold Me Closer Necromancer is (laughs) in the horror (laughs) section. So it's like anything with monsters, not necessarily like horrific or scary content. Um, and then my second book recommendation while you pull yourself together over there is Lobizona by Romina Garber. Manuela Azul, on the run from her father's Argentinian crime family and living in Florida as an undocumented immigrant, um, everything that Manu thought she knew is shattered when her mother is arrested and her grandmother has an accident, mysterious, and Manu has to suddenly like unbury all of the family secrets okay. and figure out like what's going on. And she ends up sort of discovering that werewolves are real and that her entire existence is illegal. Whoa. Yeah. That's spoiler. A lot to the Argen- <laughs> the Argentinian crime family is werewolves. Well. So <laughs> Um, okay, so I have just one, which is funny because what I was saying earlier, the book that you just recommended, the one before that, Lycanthropy, that yeah. ties back to the Greek yes. mythology thing of the legend of Lycon. Anyway, so my recommendation is Red Riding Hood by Sarah Blakely Cartwright. And I this is a disclaimer, I did not read this book. I just looked through our collection and this popped out to me and I decided to recommend it because it is something I would read. So it is the epilogue to Red Riding Hood told from the perspective of her sister, Valerie. So in this version, Red Riding Hood is murdered by the wolf. Ooh. So for generations, the wolf has been kept at bay with monthly sacrifices, but he murdered Valerie's sister, who is Red Riding Hood, which causes Valerie to spiral out of control. A wolf hunter arrives and reveals that the wolf can shapeshift and could be anyone in town. Oh. Kind of like Twilight. Love that. (laughs) Valerie quickly discovers she's the only person who can hear the voice of the wolf. The wolf tells her she must surrender herself or everyone else will die. Oh, I love it. 
See, like, it sounds like an amazing book. However, I am really close to graduating college, and I <laughs> don't <laughs> have no time. time to read for fun. <laughs> but I would love to read that book. So, let's go into vampires. Okay. Okay, so, what do you, do you know anything about the history of vampires? Carlisle Cullen was born. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, we're going to start with Um, Vlad the Impaler. Yeah, well, sure. So there are a few different historical figures thought to contribute to the legend of Dracula. Vlad the Impaler, Elizabeth Balthory, who was supposedly like would murder young women and bathe in their blood and consume it to keep herself looking young and, you know, got to take care of those fine lines and wrinkles, whatever. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think. So I'm going to tell them the story of Vlad the Impaler. While you're okay. Thinking. There's one from New England, if that gives you any it, hints. Ooh. So okay. It doesn't. I, Vlad the Impaler. The imp- oh my gosh. I can't Vlad say the Employer. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> he couldn't do his tax returns. Anyway, Vlad the Impaler was thought that Bram Stoker named Dracula after him. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name was actually Vlad Dracul, hence Dracula. He was from Transylvania and born and raised in Transylvania, and he ruled Wallachia, Wallachia, Romania, on and off from 1456 to 1462. Uh, he was called the Impaler because he killed his victims by impaling them on a wooden stake. And would then, you know... Yeah, and that's where the stake comes from in the vampire myth. Yeah, which doesn't make sense to me, because if he was the one that was killing his victims with the stake, wouldn't the stake not kill him? It's just association. Yeah, okay. You know. um, and then, the one from New England, okay. Mercy Brown from Exeter, Rhode Island. Ooh. In the 1800s, she died of tuberculosis. She was buried. Her body didn't decay, because she died in the winter, it's thought, so her body was just frozen and didn't oh. decay. Huh. So... Uh, the bodies were often checked for signs of vampirism for some reason in this okay, town. Sure. And Mercy was accused of being a vampire because her body didn't decay. Her heart was cut out, burned, and the ashes were fed to her sick brother who died shortly after. Well, sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I can't say that eating dead people will always kill you because, like, all of Victorian England didn't die immediately when they started eating mummies. Well, but, that is true, but... But it's not good for your health. No, and by the 1800s, one would think that they would have thought of that by then. Sure, but that was exactly the time that Victorian Englanders were, like, eating mummies for health benefits. Yeah, that's true. History is a strange, strange it place. Really is. Okay. <laughs> Pop culture, the first thing, uh, again, from 1900 to present day. Dracula, 1931. Sure. Apparently, it was based on Vlad Dracul, Vlad the Impaler. Okay. And then, what shocked me, Nosferatu the Vampire is yeah. from 1979. Really? I, yeah. I thought, Nos- I thought it was way older. Nope. And so, I know Nosferatu, and I'm sure a lot of you know Nosferatu from the... Famous episode of Spongebob, the hash-slinging slasher episode, where Mr. Krabs has the Krusty Krab open for 24 hours a day, so Spongebob and Squidward are trapped with the Krusty Krab all night long, and Mr. Krabs goes home, and uh, there's a myth of this guy 
the hash-slinging slasher that Squidward comes up with to scare SpongeBob. Do you have the actual thing? <laughs> I'm fact-checking okay. you. Nosferatu, ein Symphony des Grauens. From 1922. Okay. And that is who I was thinking of, where they did, like, the real weird tooth makeup. No, that, yeah, that's the one from Spongebob. Okay. So who the heck is Nosferatu the vampire then? Nosferatu the vampire. Ooh, vampire with a Y. Yeah. 1979 horror. Is it a remake of that movie? Again, Wikipedia did me dirty, guys. Well, like, the the images look exactly the same. It looks like yeah, it looks like it's a remake because they like interesting. Okay, really copied the makeup. Okay, it has a ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, if you're interested. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's an adaptation of Nosferatu Ein Symphony des Grauens. Okay, sorry, I'm I don't speak German. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm getting really so that must have been and also Dracula. So the first. The one you just mentioned, all the German, that must yeah. have just been in Germany then? And the 1979 one was in English? Maybe? I don't know. Well, Kathy's looking that up. Let I'm me finish looking the SpongeBob thing. <laughs> <laughs> so the hash slinging slasher Squidward made it up because SpongeBob was being really annoying and he wanted him to be quiet. So Squidward said when the hash slinging slasher comes, the phone will ring and there'll be nobody there. And the lights will flicker on and off. And the walls will ooze green slime. And obviously that doesn't happen. But then a random bus shows up and somebody gets off the bus and matches the description of the hatchlinging slasher. And Squidward and SpongeBob are terrified. SpongeBob thinks it's real. Squidward is terrified because he thought it was fake. And the phone rings. Nobody's there. The lights flicker on and off. The walls ooze green slime. The guy comes in, turns out it's just a guy applying for a fry cook position that they didn't have open. <laughs> and then they ask, well, what, like, who flickered the lights on and off? And uh, a door opens and it's Nosferatu. And then they go, Nosferatu. And that's the end. Huh. It's very weird. <laughs> okay. So Nosferatu ein Symphony des Grauens was released in 1922, didn't make it over to the U.S. until 1929, mm, Okay, was banned in Sweden until 1972 because it was so creepy. Oh, okay. I kind of want to watch it. <laughs> it has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, okay. It is a silent film, so. Well, how could it be? Okay, well. Have at it. <laughs> anyway, now that we went on that teaching. <laughs> it's uh, so interesting, though. Apparently, the idea of a vampire teen heartthrob came from this movie called The Lost Boys in 1987. Okay. And, it, and then I wrote film precursor to Twilight, question mark. Uh, and then the next like most popular thing, of course, is Twilight and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So, I do want to mention, though, shout out to the Count from Sesame Street. He counts... No pun intended. Hmm. He is a great vampire. He does not fit any of the canon of vampires other than he lives in a castle and there's bats that live in the castle yeah. with him. I'll also give a shout out to Interview with the Vampire from 1994, which also um, deals a lot with like angsty young adult and teen vampires yeah. and, and like immortal children. So I think... 
interview with the vampire is like a lot of the popularization of like heartthrob romantic interest vampires. Mm -hmm. But then like mm, Buffy has some prime vampire love interests. Okay. Um, Angel, who's played by David Boreanaz, who um, I actually enjoy more in Bones than in Buffy because he's mm-hmm. too brooding. Mm-hmm. Um, although in the Angel spinoff where he got his own show and he's not as tied to Buffy, he's like doing his own thing more, um, he's able to lighten up a little bit and like not be quite so angsty. But Angel is a vampire who's been cursed with his soul or a soul. And so he has like unbearable guilt supposedly about everything that he's done. Mm-hmm. And it's all very tragic. Boo hoo. Woe is me. Um, and then Spike is one of is Spike is Angelus's grandchild. Okay. Angelus is angel without the soul and he's pure evil. Okay. And so Angelus had turned Drusilla and then Drusilla turned Spike who, uh, is my favorite character in the entire series. Okay. <laughs> um, and he looks like Billy Idol, if anyone knows who that is. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, and Spike is very, very sassy, and I love my sassy characters. Okay. So they are, there are many, 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 many vampires in Buffy, although most of the big bads are not vampires after, like, the first two seasons. So he- what is the like basic canon of what makes a vampire and Buffy? Do they turn into bats? No. Okay. So vampires are created by other vampires. Okay. They are bitten mm-hmm. and drained or partially drained of blood, but mm-hmm. then they have to, they turn by consuming a vampire's blood. So like, if a vampire bit me right now, I wouldn't wake up in yep. a few days as a vampire. I yep. would just die of blood loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so vampires are demons. Like when you turn into a vampire, a demon takes over your body. Okay. Kind of. Okay. And so you have like your human face that is like the face that you had when you were alive. And then you have your vamp face, which is like the demon coming to the fore and like has all the like brow wrinklies and the fangs. Okay. The cheekbones and yellow eyes usually. Can they go out in the sunlight? Not under most circumstances. Okay. They can't unless they have the gem of Amara, which is an ancient stone that grants vampires immortality kind of. It makes them invulnerable to like stakes, crosses, holy water. Okay. And they can go out in the sunlight if they're wearing that ring. Um, But it's not a hugely significant part of like Spike spends quite a lot of time looking for it. He finds it. Buffy takes it from him shortly thereafter. And then it disappears for (laughs) seasons. (laughs) Um, Does garlic work? In Buffy to ward off vampires? I don't think so. Okay. I don't remember. It's not... Crucifixes, yes. Holy water, yes. Uh, 
I don't remember garlic. Okay. And like Spike eats a lot of pizza, so I'm assuming <laughs> no. So that is a thing though, right? Like garlic is a thing to ward off vampires? Yes, in Dracula. Okay. Yeah. In the original in the original Dracula can- canon, I think yes. Okay. Um and wooden stakes are a thing in Buffy. Yeah. Obviously. Does it have to be a specific kind of wood? Nope. So Buffy, what if they get like a splinter? Yeah. No, that would do. Well, it has to be in the heart. Oh, okay. Hard to get a splinter in the heart. Yeah. Um, but like Buffy uses pencils. She like breaks off chair legs. <laughs> she, I mean, that's kind of rad. She has Mr. Pointy. But sometimes like if the stake is a soft wood or is too short, it'll disintegrate with the vampire. Oh, Okay. Yeah, it's so when not they die, consistent. they disintegrate. Yes, they okay. they dust. Okay, is that does that happen in Twilight? No. Oh, I thought they turned into dust in Twilight. They get burned and they turn into purple smoke in Twilight. Okay. So in Twilight, in order to kill a vampire, you have to behead them, tear okay. them limb from limb, and then light them on fire. Okay. <laughs> and they go up in plumes of like purple smoke. That's like acrid burnt sugar sweet very very unpleasant smelling okay and when you rip them limb from limb it sounds like metal tearing apart because their body is so strong okay (laughs) um okay i do know a couple of things about twilight and if you want a deep deep dive into the twilight lore go back and listen to our twilight episode um when they go outside, they can go outside in the sunlight but they just sparkle so people can tell that they're like weird yeah, they don't go outside in the sun as like a self-preservation mechanism because they couldn't hide their vampire secret. Yeah. Um, and I'll say too that in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Spike and Angel get around the can't go out in the sun by running around outside under blankets. <laughs> <laughs> and they just like sort of smolder, but they don't die. Okay. <laughs> so like you can be outside in the sun for short amounts of time. Yeah. It's just not going to be, you know... It's going to be painful, but they have, su- like, super healing, so they'll get over it quickly. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I think in Twilight, the vampires have, like, a very strong sense of smell. Is that correct? They have strong senses of everything. Okay, because the reason <laughs> that Edward is attracted to Bella at first is because of how she smells, right? Yes. Okay. She is his blood singer. Okay. So her blood is like the best smelling blood that he he is ever going to smell. Okay. Um, and he calls her like his exact brand of heroin. Okay. Which is like a red flag. Get out of there, girl. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> if so, you listened to our Twilight episode, you know that I don't ship Edward and Bella. Sorry. Yes. And Angela <laughs> from Adult Services fully does yeah and if you come into the library and ask her about twilight she will happily talk to you about (laughs) um but so in twilight if oh yeah because edward turns bella into a vampire so he bites her and she turns into a vampire yes because jacob tries to kill her question mark is that what it is a where i think a werewolf tries to kill her is that what it is so there's a lot of Edward saves her from dying at the end. So Edward does save her from dying at the end of the first book because she was, she was bitten by a different vampire. Okay. And he saves her by sucking the venom out. He ends up, she does end up later turned by a van, turned into a vampire after she has their baby. 
has their baby is a generous term after the baby is comes into existence okay is birthed crawls its way out of her car whatever um, not it's not exactly that Sam you can, <laughs> she looks horrified right the now the image that um, I just it, yeah it's it's very very gruesome and so well it's a vampire so we'll yeah because the 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 baby is like way way stronger yeah. than Bella is yeah okay so, it, so let me guess she almost dies when the baby is born yeah, yeah, she okay. like pretty much does die when the baby is born. And that's when Edward turns her into a vampire. And so she's turned into a vampire. Got it. Okay. In Twilight lore, if you if a vampire doesn't drain you, you will turn. Okay. Because they cannot bite without injecting their venom. Okay. So they're kind of like snakes, right? Yeah. Okay. Because snakes yeah. have really good senses of smell. Yes. Okay. So they're kind of like snakes, if we're going to connect it to nature. <laughs> yeah, so vampires in Buffy, super speed, super healing, super strength. Mm-hmm. Vampi- so like the werewolves in Twilight. <laughs> vampires in Twilight, super senses, super speed, super strength, super healing in that like they just ca- pretty much can't get injured. And they fly. I thought they could. No. Never mind. They can run really fast and they can like jump and oh, climb oh, yeah, really okay, well. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Um, and some of them have additional powers like Alice can see the future based on other people's decisions. Okay. Jasper can control and feel other people's emotions. Edward can read minds, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so they have like a lot of super abilities, which is why the werewolf counterparts need to be so super powered because mm-hmm. like, Oh, and the werewolves have a pack mind, so when they're in wolf form, they can telepathically communicate with anyone else who is a wolf at that time. Okay. Um, in their in their pack, so that's how they sort of like get a level playing field with these vampires. Um, vampires and supernatural, you have to ingest vampire blood to get turned. They have more of a vamp face. Like in Buffy, okay, they can go out in the sun. They okay. just they're they're nocturnal, so they mostly sleep during the day. But right. they can go out in the sun, and like they're fine. Are they shapeshifters in any way? Because there is like Dracula mm. turns into a bat, right? Yes, and then that's sort of like canon. Not like it's sort of the stereotype of vampires that they can turn into bats and are associated with bats. Yeah, the only pop culture vampires I can think of that can turn into bats are in The Sims 4. Okay. <laughs> and Hotel Transylvania, don't forget okay. that. Okay, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, vampires in Supernatural, you just have to behead them. Okay. Or run them through a wood chipper, as we discover in a, one particular episode. All right. Um, and vampires can be cured. So, okay. like, the transformation in Twilight, when you get turned into a vampire, you're, like, essentially in a coma for, like, three days. Mm-hmm. And then you wake up a vampire. Okay. In, And likewise in Buffy, like, you die, you're buried... You come back as a vampire. You like crawl your way out of your grave. Okay. Um, that's in, interesting because that's sort of like what the stereotype of zombies are. Yeah. Interesting. Um, in 
Supernatural, the change is more like having a really bad flu. Okay. <laughs> like you're awake, but you're like really light sensitive. You have a headache. You have like a weird craving. And you're like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Like, why is everyone's heartbeat so loud? You have, you're developing your super senses, but you're like, you're awake mm-hmm. for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So you just like, don't know what's going on. Okay. <laughs> um, and actually, one of the main characters of the show gets turned into a vampire mm-hmm. in season six. Six, yes, because it's before Lucifer comes back. Um, in season six, one of the main characters, um, Dean Winchester, gets turned into a vampire. Yep. And sorry, this is a spoiler, but it's like 10 years old. So <laughs> sorry. Um, but there's a cure. And so as long as a new vampire doesn't feed on a human, they can be turned back by like re-ingesting their sire's blood and then killing their sire or something. I don't remember exactly. I meant to look it up, but I couldn't find my hunter's journal. I'm sorry. Um, I just moved. So my hunter's journal is packed away with all of my photos from conventions and stuff. And it's, lost forever in my parents' basement somewhere. Oh, no. um, <laughs> um, so that is interesting and unique because um, in Twilight, there's no cure for being a vampire. Yeah, and they're, like, immortal, right? Unless they get beheaded? Pretty much. Yeah. Um, I have read fan fiction, so I don't know if this is Twilight canon from the fourth book where the Volturi kings come more into play. They're like the vampire royalty. Mm -hmm. Um, And that they know of the ancients, like the first vampires who are so, so like so many millennia old that they just like stopped moving and turned to stone because vampire anatomy is already very stone like. Mm -hmm. So like they just got so old that they, stopped moving one day and just like turned into statues. Okay. And that is actually really, really similar to interview with the vampire where the vampire ancients are like, I think Egyptian deities, like statues that get brought back to life. I don't know. It's a little confusing and I'm going off of only what Dominic Noble talked about in his YouTube series where he talked about interview with the vampire. Shout out to Dom Noble. Uh, You should go check it out because he's going to give you a lot more information than I can. And he's great, <laughs> but but it's interesting because I don't know if that if that fan fiction or those fan fictions were like borrowing from the interview with the vampire canon, mm-hmm. or if Stephanie Meyer borrowed from the interview with the vampire canon. So let us know <laughs> where that originated from. If it's actually in Twilight, or if it was just an author combining two different sources. I wonder if Angela knows. Angela would definitely know because <laughs> she has the canon backwards and forwards. I um, do not. So I have, I think I might have mentioned this book previously, um, but my recommendation for vampires is an anthology book called Vampires Never Get Old. And it is a collection of short stories about vampires. None of the authors are Stephanie Meyer. So (laughs) if you like Stephanie Meyer, I'm sorry. It's just giving other vampire enthusiast authors a chance to shine. And if you don't like Stephanie Meyer, hey, you can enjoy vampires. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So some of them are romance-based, some of them are not, and I think it is great if you, like me, don't have a lot of time to read for fun because it's like 30 pages. It's not hard to understand. 
Especially, like, again, I know nothing about vampire, romance, vampire, anything, and it was easy for me to understand. And there's some LGBTQ representation in there, and there's diversity in there, so it hits everything that I want out of a book for me. Fabulous. And it's up in our... It's not in the horror section. I think it's just in our fiction section, general fiction. Huh. Okay. Interesting. So you have recommendations? I do. I have two. One is an older book. And then the second one will be a book that's actually not even in the library. It's on order. Ooh. So you are hearing it here first. Um, So the older one, cold towns are walled cities designed to contain monsters and the humans who mingle with them. Is that the title? No. Oh. I'll get to the title at the end. I'm trying to build suspense like okay, a movie trailer. I thought that was the title. I was like, that's a really long title. Cold towns are walled cities designed to contain monsters and the humans who mingle with them. Once you enter a cold town, you can never leave. Mm. This is the world Tana must take on when she wakes up one morning to find everyone but her ex and like one mysterious guy just dead. Um, in The Coldest Girl in Cold Town okay. by Holly Black. Okay. And then the other one that's on order is Lost Girls, The Lost Girls by Sonia Hartle. And the tagline really is all I need to be interested in it. Getting over your vampire ex, ex is as easy as killing him and stealing his girlfriend. <laughs> so... LGBTQ representation right off the bat. And also, like, humor, like, fun, like, history jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Holly was turned by her boyfriend, Elton, in 1987. And so she has to have crimped hair forever. <laughs> like, her hair is stuck the way it was when she was turned, and oh, I love it. Oh my gosh, okay. I'm already sold. So she was turned by her boyfriend in 1987. Mm-hmm. He, like, dumps her just a few decades later. Red. And then because he's the one that turned her, she's forced to just follow him around for the rest of her Ugh. unlife. Um, and so she realizes that, like, he has a whole bunch of ex-girlfriends just, like, having to follow him around. So she teams up with his other exes to take him down. So it's kind of like Scott Pilgrim versus the world, right? I'm not familiar enough with okay, Scott Pilgrim. Okay, so Scott Pilgrim is... That's like the seven evil exes, right? Yes, yes. He falls in love with this girl, and the only way that he can be with her is if he kills her seven ex-boyfriends. Yeah, he has to defeat her seven evil exes. Yeah, that was the first thing I thought of. So, Sorry, tangent. <laughs> yeah, so not exactly the same. She and the exes are working together to kill him before he can, like, seduce and turn another, Hmm. like, teenage girl. Okay. In the meantime, she falls in love with the girl that he's currently, like, dating and trying to convince to turn. Nice. All right. (laughs) I'm sold. Yeah, so it sounds really fun. I love the 80s, so I love that she's, like, stuck with... Yeah, a very too. 80s hairstyle just like forever. And then there's another girl who was like turned in the 1920s. And so she's stuck like how she was turned. And and it sounds like it's going to have like a lot of fun with 
the historical periods mm-hmm. and vampire lore. It's just going to be a really fun read. So, so look out for that. When is that coming in? Is that's it? the Lost Girls. It's on order now. Okay. So it'll be here like within a month. So look out for that. Come into the library and ask us about that book if you want to read it. Yeah. So I don't know. Should we plug what's happening for Halloween? I don't know if teens are going to be super duper interested in what we're doing on Halloween, but we can plug it anyway. No, it's so close. We're <laughs> recording this on the 29th. So by the time most of you are listening to this, it'll be after Halloween probably. Well, if um, you're listening to this before Halloween... Have a safe and happy Halloween. Yes. And if you're listening to this after Halloween, we hope you had a safe and happy Halloween. (laughs) And we will be coming back at you pretty soon with not an episode of Monstober. No, we'll be back to sort of our our regular content. Our regular disjointed literary (laughs) fandom content. Um, Also, because we have a bigger audience now, hello... Let us know what you want to listen to, because we were sort of just picking things that we wanted to talk about before all of you lovely people started listening. I was going to say fans, but I don't want to go that far. Listeners, our lovely (laughs) listeners. Yeah, do let us know what you would like us to talk about. Um, If there are, like, book recommendations you want, or if you want really terrible, dumb advice from people that don't know what they're talking about, we're here for it. (laughs) I also just realized that we never even introduced ourselves at the beginning of this episode. So I'm Kathy, (laughs) and for those of you who are newer listeners, I'm the head of youth services at the Merrimack Public Library. Yeah, and I am Sam, and I am one of our youth services aides, so I work mainly down in the children's room and I do a lot of programming for everybody and if you teens if you want a program let me know I will make it happen for you to the best of my ability yeah we are always looking for like programs that you want us to do so let us know and we will really try our best and we are able to have programs in the building now so it you know, as yeah. we move into winter, it's not doesn't have to wait till spring. We can do it in the building. Let us know. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll bring back the uh, after hours Nerf war. Yeah, maybe. Yep, that's always something that happens usually in the summer. But we could bring it since we weren't able to do it in the building over the summer. We could bring it back like over a school vacation week. You never know. Be on the lookout, and please, teens, if you have an idea, don't be afraid to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> don't be afraid because of Monstober. That's really lame. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we will see everybody next time. Bye. Bye.